For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. <laughs> and what's up everybody, welcome to a brand new edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Jesse Cass here with you this week going solo, our co-host Alex Acker. Uh, in the midst of traveling, so he'll be out for this week, but he'll be back on his normal schedule as we go forward with upcoming episodes. But I'll be taking it through you solo this week and kind of leading you through a Clippers therapy session as a, a very tough way to end the season. Just a week ago, Alex and I recorded uh, last Friday before the game, really before any news had come out. We literally recorded, posted the episode, and about one minute later got the the very unfortunate Woj bomb that, that Paul George had tested positive for COVID. Uh, he'd be out for the, the playing game against New Orleans and obviously made things much tougher for the Clippers. You know, I think going into that game, you know, so much changes, of course, when you're missing one of the top, you know, 10, 15, whatever you want to qualify Paul George as, one of the best players in the league. When you take him out of the mix for the Clippers, obviously that makes the task that much tougher. Now we know that the Clippers all season long, had played a large chunk of the year, of course, the whole year without Kawhi, a large chunk of the year without Paul George. So it's still, you know, it wasn't doomsday. It definitely hurt a lot that Paul George was unable to go in that ball game, and and obviously seems like he's on the men now, which is the most important thing. But uh, you know, even with that news, as deflating and frustrating as it was, as it was, there was still a lot of confidence within the Clippers, and I think within the fan base that they could at least win that game against New Orleans. Uh, and it was it was quite a game, you know. It was a, a incredible roller coaster of emotions. You know, not able to really hit a shot early, missing a ton of layups and free throws and open threes in the first half, but closing that half strong. Um, you know, coming back from a 16 point deficit, racing out of the gates in the third quarter to to take a lead as much as 13 and seem like they're in control, and then ultimately fall down the wire uh, to New Orleans, uh, 105, 101. Uh, just a you know, a really tough way to end the season for the Clippers, who the game itself was kind of a microcosm of the season in itself, where Clippers, of course, as mentioned, a little bit undermanned in terms of just missing a lot of key pieces. Still, obviously, with, with a lot of talent out there, you know, Reggie, Marcus, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Batum, Zubats, on and on and on. So, you know, their, their depth was there. Uh, the effort was there. The heart was there. Uh, they ultimately just came up a little bit short. So it was um, it was tough. It was kind of, especially just the way the game panned out in the second half. As you mentioned, the Clippers, you know, Ty Lue making 
one of those vaunted adjustments that he loves to make in, in playoff type games where he goes small, takes Zubats and Hartenstein pretty much out of the mix entirely in the second half. They go small with, with Covington and Batum along with Morris and you know Jackson and Powell and Terrence Mann and those guys to, to really get things going in the second half of play. And it worked tremendously. Uh, it completely threw New Orleans off their game. We mentioned a 16-point lead in what was a 10-point game at the half. Turns into a 13-point lead the other way for the Clippers. Uh, but New Orleans, I mean, you give them a ton of credit. I think the Willie Green speech that we saw in the mic'd up at the end of the third quarter where he's imploring his guys, you know, we took their best punch. This is what we live for. You guys got to fight. That might have been one of the best mic'd up experiences that we've seen on TV. You know, normally <laughs> what we get during those is the very, very generic, come on, guys, we got to play, move the ball. But it was one of the first times we've really seen you know, actual coaching on display in one of those mic'd up segments. And, you know, you give Willie Green and the Pelicans a lot of credit where you think about the season, of course, the Clippers have had, and we're going to get into that on this episode, but where the Clippers have had all these injuries they've had to overcome, all these comebacks that they've had, the next man up mentality. You look on the other side with New Orleans, it's a team that started 1-12 to start the year, you know, they were 3-16, and 16, and the way that they were able to, to fight back, they obviously make the trade for McCollum. They were without their best player all year in Zion. Um, so they had a somewhat similar story, and because of that, you know, a similar will and fight within that team to to not give up when they fell behind by a, you know, a significant margin. So um, in a lot of ways, the teams kind of paralleled each other. I think for the Clippers... It's obviously a, a disappointing end. You know, anytime you're without your best player like Kawhi Leonard, the goal of championship is probably not as realistic. But as we've seen in every playoffs, really, for someone, uh, as, as unfortunate as it is, injuries and illnesses and so many factors can, can come into play where you might not think it's your opportunity and then all of a sudden it is. Where you look at even someone like Phoenix last year who they were a two seed, but got every break in the book of course Anthony Davis in the first round is out Jamal Murray in the second round is out and then of course the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers Kawhi Leonard's out so the point of all that is sometimes you get the breaks and obviously for the Clippers with this Paul George illness uh, and so many injuries in the past we've seen the the opposite effect of that where you don't get the breaks because your key guys are out and that's kind of been a theme for the Clippers over years and years and years, well, where, of course, Chris Paul, all those injuries, Blake Griffin, all those injuries at the worst possible times. They've seen it happen a lot. But that kind of brings back to the point, if health does work in your favor, a year that you might not think is your year can be your year, where Metro Phoenix last year, maybe they would have got there anyway with without those injuries to the other teams, but it certainly guided and helped their path a little bit. And we're seeing it Maybe the opposite end of that this year. Devin Booker going down with a hamstring injury. Phoenix should still probably be able to to get past New Orleans, but that may alter their path. And you think about the Clippers, you know, even without Kawhi Leonard, if Paul George was healthy, all of a sudden that's a series they feel like they can probably win against Phoenix. Now, we don't know if Booker would get hurt in the same way. Obviously, there's always so much that's left up to chance, and you never wish for any player to get injured. But the point of all that is, is you want to be in the mix and give yourself a chance. And for the Clippers, you, know, you certainly can't fault them for the way that the season ended. They said they battled hard. They played their hearts out. But it is just disappointing for the fact that even though it probably wasn't their year because of Kawhi Leonard being out, 
you never know. You always want that shot in the playoffs. So in that way, certainly disappointing that the Clippers saw their season end at home in a really hard-fought battle, uh, and especially in a year where the team constantly was overcoming so much. All of the big comebacks, kind of the good vibes around the team, finishing over 500 despite missing so much time from so many key people, um, and, to, and also to lose in a way that, as we said, the, the effort was there, you know, certainly guys feeling gassed and, uh, you know, whatever it may be, pressure of the playoff situation, um, just little mistakes in the game itself seemed like it cost the Clippers the game where, of course, rebounding when you're going small, that was something we knew would be a big factor going into the ball game. That certainly, you know, played itself out a little bit. Clippers did battle on the boards, but ultimately out-rebounded by nine in that ball game. And while New Orleans, they struggled at the free throw line and from behind the three-point line as well. Uh, 12 missed free throws for the Pelicans. 12 missed free throws for the Clippers. And really significant ones down the stretch from guys that are normally knockdown free throw shooters and clutch free throw shooters and clutch performers in general. Reggie Jackson missed a free throw down the stretch, as did Norman Powell. Those are two guys that are upper 80s free throw shooters. But you think of just kind of the load that they had to bear in this game, especially Reggie Jackson, who played 46 minutes, was really phenomenal in the game. 27 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Norman Powell, who kind of had a disastrous first half, responded well in the second, ended with 17 points. So the Clippers season ends technically falling short of making the playoffs, despite being the, the eighth seed coming into that playing tournament. Tough loss at Minnesota, and then the unfortunate timing of uh, Paul George getting COVID and then missing, of course, the big playing game against New Orleans ultimately leads to a tough way to end the year for, for the Clippers. And not only Paul George, of course, but Luke Kennard, who Alex and I had talked about, kind of maybe his potential importance in a game against New Orleans where such an incredible shooter, led the NBA in three-point percentage. Uh, what he could do on the floor would have been so valuable for the Clippers in that ball game where you look at the Clippers most of the year, the three-point ball, just like it was the year before, a huge part of their attack. And just 9 of 36, 25% from three. And we mentioned they did hold New Orleans to just 6 of 22 from downtown, but a lot of those threes for New Orleans came late in the game. You know, Trey Murphy, the third, uh, the rookie from Virginia, four threes, all of them big ones down the stretch. So that was a big factor late. But but kind of going back to Kennard, you think of the 9 for 36 in, in the guys just struggling from the perimeter in general. You know, Marcus Morris hit four threes, Reggie Jackson hit two, Covington hit two. Those were really the guys that had it going shooting-wise. You know, Nicholas Batum, who was phenomenal defensively. Can't say enough about the job that he did, despite the fact Ingram got off to a blazing start and did make some big shots down the stretch. Batum, unbelievable defensively. And you can only hope that Batum, Covington, all these guys come back for next year. And we'll certainly explore that as we go forward on these episodes in the offseason. But Batum 0 for 5 from three-point range. Terrence Mann missed his only two three-point attempts. Powell 1 for 4. So you, you throw in a guy like Kennard, who's a knockdown shooter, and maybe in some of these moments where New Orleans is going on a run or the, the lead starts to slip away, you've got a guy like Kennard who, even if he isn't necessarily knocking down the shots, he's spreading the floor a little bit more, creating that space, that gravity for the defense, and maybe you have better driving lanes to the basket, especially down the stretch of the basketball game where, you know, it happened in Minnesota in the Minnesota game and it happened in this New Orleans game where 
it's not unusual as well. Playoff basketball, you're going to see isolation. You're going to see one-on-one. You're going to see the game be more of a grind and bogged down defensively. And that's certainly what this became late in the ball game. But, you know, in those moments where it's one-on-one, you know, Reggie Jackson trying to take his man off the dribble, Marcus Morris trying to set up in the, the mid-post, mid-range area. If you have another guy who's really spacing the floor, it just creates more space and more driving lanes for everyone else. So I think the Clippers really missed that from Kennard and a guy who not only is a great shooter, and while he may not be a great defender, he made a lot of strides in that area this year where you saw him really taking pride and putting in the effort defensively. So in the fact that while he might not ever be a lockdown type defender, good team defender, someone who is willing to put in the effort uh, and at least has become someone who's not a liability on that end of the floor. You know, certain times in a certain matchup, obviously, you wouldn't want him to get picked on, and that's where the Clippers can play to their depth. But just having him out there as someone who can hold his own on that end of the floor and then provide so much on the offensive end, I think, was really missed in this ball game. And just unfortunate timing again of just shows what happens late in the season. You can never really predict it, even if you feel like you've built a great team and a great roster. Uh, the the luck of the basketball gods it always plays uh, in April and May and June, and, and we're seeing that with other teams, of course. It happens around the league every single year where, you know, the Warriors had Steph Curry out. He just made it back before the playoffs and looks like, you know, he's back to his old self. Mentioned Devin Booker going down with the hamstring injury. Luka Doncic, who has been down with that calf strain. There's so many impactful injuries that happen during the playoffs where, Even if you're a team where you feel like you might be a step away or a year away, uh, it might come sooner than you think. You know, the Hawks last year, the Suns last year, uh, you know, even years where the Clippers, it went against them. You think of one of those years where it almost broke in their favor in the, the Lob City era where Clippers were on their way to seemingly taking care of Portland. Chris Paul gets injured. Blake Griffin gets injured. Uh, But they looked like they were headed towards a matchup with the Warriors with Steph Curry injured, where maybe that could be the year where the Clippers could break through against the Warriors. But obviously, that wasn't meant to be. So uh, injuries play a huge factor. They certainly did for the Clippers this year. And we'll see how they respond and go forward next year. There's obviously so much time uh, and so much intrigue about what the roster is going to look like a year from now or six months from now when the next season starts, where on paper... The Clippers are going to be back to being one of the favorites in the league and one of the top contenders uh, with hopefully Kawhi Leonard back, Paul George back, full offseason of rest. And then, you know, regardless of what they do in the offseason, I think that they'll be one of the heavy favorites. But with all of that said, uh, you can only control so much where obviously at some point, if the Clippers are ever going to break through and win an NBA championship, at some point, the health breaks have to go their way late in the year where... Uh, You need Kawhi Leonard out there. You need Paul George out there at the minimum. And then even some of the other key guys, whether it's it's Reggie, whether it's Batum, Covington, whoever else is a key player for this team, you really need as close to all hands on deck at this time of year as possible. So um, all you can really do at that point is make sure the training staff is doing the best they can and then just kind of cross your fingers, knock on wood, and hope that, that everyone stays healthy. But I am really curious of, how things look for the Clippers in this offseason. I think that there's a variety of ways that they could go, and any of them can honestly work. If they re-sign guys and bring back pretty much the exact same group and re-add Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, 
I think just that on its own, they're still one of the top teams in the league and a top contender. But just knowing this Clippers front office, knowing how proactive they are rather than reactive, I can see them trying to make somewhat of a big move and and try to add significant pieces or another significant piece, whether that's a quote-unquote third star or another impact player. Um, So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in this offseason. I think steps one and step two are re-signing or having whatever happens with Nick Batum's player option, whether he declines it and wants a little bit more money, have to bring him back. And same with Robert Covington, who Clippers do have his bird rights. I think you have to re-sign Covington at pretty much whatever cost. You know, he's obviously not going to be a max-type player, but we saw his value on this team, especially when you have a similar-type player in Batum. Two guys that are extremely long, both good shooters, both make intangible impact plays. I think they're going to be so incredibly valuable, especially when they're thrust into that role alongside superstars in Leonard and George, where I think they'll shine even more when they play that type of role where you have the ability to have one of those two guys guarding the other team's best player or the ability to switch everything. And and we saw that on display in the second half against New Orleans where this was kind of the the JV version of the Clippers, so to speak. And even that version we see in spurts when they have that five-man switchable defensive lineup with shooting on the floor can be so dynamic and so disruptive for the other team when you have that along with the superstar-level players in Leonard and George. It makes you really excited for what's to come. So I think Batum and Covington are absolute musts in terms of bringing them back. And then if you are looking to shake things up a little bit, how do you get there in terms of making that move? I think for the Clippers, the path to that is probably pretty obvious. You have you know, a dynamic scorer and someone on a reasonable salary in Marcus Morris who's valuable around the league, obviously still valuable to the Clippers, but we've already seen his name kind of start to circulate as someone who might be mentioned in trade talks. Uh, I know we just sang the praises and talked about the importance of Luke Kennard, who would obviously benefit greatly from having stars on the floor as well, but someone who also could generate interest with, again, that 14 to $17 million range in his salary. There's a lot of these contracts on the Clippers that are packaged just high enough and just low enough where you put a couple of them together and you can reach that $30 million, $35 million threshold for maybe a disgruntled type star. Not... No, obviously those two guys probably wouldn't be enough to get a deal like that done, but you think about what a package would look like for, you know, we'll go through some names, but, you know, we've seen Rudy Gobert out there, whether the Jazz would, would part with him is to be seen, but Gobert, Beal, you know, some of those guys still might be out of reach with this type of package, but just the type of names that you'd hear of the the next guy that's always comes up that is going to want out of his situation. Uh, what can you package as the Clippers? We know first round picks wise cupboards pretty bare um you know they have a couple years where they have to swap with with the thunder coming up and obviously the the ones they gave straight out to the thunder but you think about a potential package of marcus morris luke Kennard, maybe one of the young guys of terrence mann or brandon boston and a pick down the road that might not be enough to get you a superstar type player but it could be enticing enough to get you a high level maybe next level down star-ish type player to be that third guy, whether that's Rudy Gobert, whether that's De'Aaron Fox, whoever may become available, that's something to keep your eye on for the Clippers who, as you said, they're always aggressive, uh, they're always proactive, uh, and they do have a lot of depth 
and, and if you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George healthy, uh, maybe it's worth it to, to get another significant guy. You don't want to gut your team's depth, but I think they, as we've seen, going 12 players deep at some times, if you package three, four guys together for one, then maybe bring in another guy with your mid-level, there's an opportunity to to get another impact player. So that's something that I think is, is a possibility uh, for this offseason uh, and something to keep an eye on. And we've already seen, as we said, the rumblings of Marcus Morris. We've seen the rumblings of you know, John Wall, who might finally get a buyout from Houston, where, hey, if you can get a guy like that who, you know, we don't really know how much he has left in the tank, but if you're getting him off a buyout on a potential minimum or mid-level type deal, uh, that's definitely worth a flyer, where we've talked about the point guard position so much, and whether that's been overblown or not, if you have another guy who, you know, John Wall in a system where he might only need to give you 20 minutes and he can give you speed and playmaking uh, and size. That's something that could be super significant. So there's so much that's obviously remains to be determined. The playoffs are ongoing now. The offseason's not here yet. But I think the Clippers have a lot to look forward to next season. But they still just need those type of breaks. So uh, we'll see if they can do just that. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With just one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. So looking at the NBA playoffs, obviously we'll keep you updated on everything going on with the Clippers as well, but did want to touch on what's been going on so far in the first round of the NBA playoffs, and super interesting. And I know just mentioned Rudy Gobert and the Jazz, and uh, looking at this team, just can't help but be reminded, unfortunately, uh, of of the Lob City, Lob City Clipper years, where personnel-wise, obviously, different types of teams. Jazz, more of a three-point oriented team. They've got a dynamic guard and a dynamic center. Clippers did have that as well, but they just played differently. But when I say that they remind me of each other, it's more in the the mentality of the two teams. And, and unfortunately, in the, in the waning years of the Lob City years, as much as it hurt to admit it, you could tell when when it was over, when it was done. And we've heard the guys from that group talk about it. J.J. Redick has talked about it at length. Chris Paul has talked about it. You know, Jamal Crawford, Blake Griffin, all the key guys have, in one way or another, mentioned the tensions, how they kind of knew uh, when it was time to, to move on and, and try a new, something new. So I think it's pretty clear, watching the Utah Jazz, that they're at that space now. You know, last year, they were the one seed uh, they were the, one of the best offensive offenses of all time, and clearly in that series against the Clippers, uh, you know it, 
the formula was was discovered by Ty Lue and how to attack the Jazz, uh, really go after their perimeter defenders and kind of hang Rudy Gobert out to dry where he's either got to protect the rim or guard the three-point line in the corner, and he has to do both. And he, you know, no one can do that. So defensively, this is a Jazz team that didn't address any of their issues. They can't guard anyone on the perimeter. Uh, so they leave Gobert kind of on hung out to dry on his own and and it allows other teams to just w- run wild on them despite how good the offense can be for the Utah Jazz and then down the stretch they kind of devolve into more isolation basketball which can be a mixed bag and kind of get tight down the stretch of games and it's that type of thing talking about the mentality where sometimes with a group they've gone through so many of these tough breakdowns that it, it becomes unsurmountable and for this Utah team I think that's the place where they're at now you can tell it's a group that similar to that Lob City Clippers team despite these guys being friends now maybe not the best relationships on and off the court uh, especially with Mitchell and Gobert that's not anything that's a secret in the league right now Uh, so you have that factor you have the fact that you know psyche wise this is a group that's blown big leads over and over and over again and again Similar to what we saw in the mid two thousands, the mid two thousand tens with with the Clippers, um, so that's why I just these teams just remind me so much of one another uh, that I feel like this Utah team, you know, they're already down two one to Dallas without Luka Doncic having played a minute with that calf injury. Uh, you know, regardless if Luka plays in Game Four or not, uh, Utah's in big trouble. You know, obviously if Luka comes back. I think a lot of people had Dallas winning that series, but the fact that he hasn't played at all and Utah's down in the series is huge. Uh, I think Dallas has them on the ropes. I think Utah is on their way, spiraling down to a first-round exit, and likely some significant changes, whether that's Donovan Mitchell being the next superstar to demand a trade and ask out, whether that's them shaking up that core and trading Gobert somewhere, uh, I think a lot of changes are coming to Utah, which is kind of why I brought it up in the first place. N- that doesn't necessarily impact the Clippers, as we said. Maybe it's a pipe dream that they could add someone like Rudy Gobert to the back line of their defense, but regardless, I feel like there is a shakeup coming there after this potential first-round exit for the Jazz. So this is a group that maybe last year was their opportunity, and sometimes we know when you have your opportunity, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you have to take advantage. You know, it were, you think of that Lob City Clipper team, whether it was 2014 with the collapse against the Thunder or 2015 with the 3-1 collapse against the Rockets, which, sorry to bring that up. <laughs> I know we never want to think about that again, but um, maybe 2015 was that last chance for that Clippers team. And then after that, as we said, it was never really the same. That might have been it for the Jazz, where we talked about Phoenix taking advantage of their situation. You look at Utah, where... They got that break. Kawhi Leonard goes down, and then they end up losing two straight at home, of course, with, with Paul George, and then the incredible comeback in Game 6 last year for the Clippers, where that's something that sometimes you never quite recover from, and I think that's what we're seeing with Utah. Now, maybe they have the fortitude. Maybe they bounce back. Maybe they go on a run here with the potential with you know Devin Booker out for a little while for Phoenix. Maybe this is still the chance for Utah, but it's really it's hard to see it with all of their deficiencies in their perimeter defense, their deficiencies seemingly in mental toughness. So Utah, I think, is in big trouble, and I think they're headed towards a major shakeup. So that's, that's something that's been been pretty interesting to see so far in the first round. 
You know, look, staying in the Western Conference, what a collapse. Speaking of collapses, by the Timberwolves the other night, a 26-point lead. Uh, actually, a couple 20-point leads that they blew, but had a golden opportunity to go up 2-1 on the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, I think the Grizzlies are likely in the driver's seat there. That still, I think, is going to be a competitive series, especially with our guy Pat Bev. Again, looking great in the playoffs, like he did for the Clippers a year ago when he got the time. You know, he's been fantastic for Minnesota, but that's a young team with some really poor decision-making, uh, especially from their stars. And Carl Anthony Towns, who's a superstar talent, but the foul trouble that he gets in and kind of lack of situational awareness where he needs to keep himself on the floor or make better decisions, that's been kind of a big downfall for the Timberwolves. And not calling a timeout during a 21 nothing run is one of the more perplexing decisions we've seen in a while. So Minnesota, you know, they do have some veterans, but still that core is still pretty young. So not not shocking that, that they're going through some of those growing pains. Uh, from the Warriors' perspective, and this is something that I think is, is encouraging in, in a roundabout way to the Clippers as well. You think about the Warriors a year ago. They were without Klay Thompson. Uh, he had a younger Jordan Poole, wasn't quite ready yet, but was just kind of developing. Uh, they, of course, lost playing game one on the road to the Lakers and then lost playing game two at home to the Grizzlies and missed the playoffs. It's the exact same thing that just happened to the Clippers. Warriors come back the next year. They get health back on their side. They get Klay Thompson back. They have a full year of Curry. You know, Draymond Green gets over his back injury issues. And now they're up 3 nothing and looking like potentially they're back uh, as a team that could be in the driver's seat to, to make a run again. So from the Clippers' perspective, that's what you hope to see when they come back next year. Kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, race themselves out to a top seed in the conference, be able to weather some of those storms, and, and then kind of get rolling as we get into the playoffs. So that's, you know, super interesting. And the Warriors, again, with their kind of death line of 2.0, uh, very, very interesting to see if they're fully back as a title contender. It certainly looks like it right now. And then finally, Suns and Pelicans, 1-1, going back to New Orleans. No Devin Booker for likely the rest of the series. Uh, I still think Phoenix, especially if you're a 64-win team, you should win that series. But as we've seen firsthand, it's a gritty, tough New Orleans group. They've got a playoff-tested guy in C.J. McCollum. Of course, Brandon Ingram is kind of really starting to shine as another guy. So uh, that all of a sudden becomes a super interesting series in the West. And then looking out East, you know, Heat taking care of business, Bucks and Bulls with Chris Middleton now out. That gets a lot more interesting. Uh, you know, Boston with that 2-0 lead over Brooklyn. You know, Boston has been so incredible through all the numbers in the second half of the season. Still a little surprising to see Brooklyn down the stretch of these close games with Durant, with Kyrie Irving, come up short. Now, Ben Simmons is supposed to apparently come back in Game 4. Robert Williams is supposed to come back in Game 3 or Game 4 for Boston. So, uh, you know, for Brooklyn, who's talked so much about their culture, and they've obviously had a ton of injuries as well, getting, you know, kind of worked in the first round, if they can't turn things around, would be, uh, you know, significant for them and what's to be in the future for Brooklyn. So that's that's been really interesting to see as well. Um, and just so, you know, the playoffs are so exciting. And you throw in Philly, who, you know, that matchup with Toronto, I think a lot of people felt Toronto could give Philly a great run. Um, you know, they've had some injuries with Scotty Barnes going down, which is obviously huge for them. But Joel Embiid with that huge game-winning three, and all of a sudden Philly with a 3 nothing lead, I think that 
has probably been the biggest surprise out east. You know, Philly, obviously the more talented team, but as we've seen, kind of sputtering a little bit toward the end of the year. But you credit a, a monster like Embiid and, and what they've been able to do there. Um, that's been exciting. So uh, a lot more to upcome in the playoffs, a lot more upcoming with, with the Clippers as we look forward to the offseason as well. And as we mentioned, Alex Acker will be back with me here to break things down as we go forward. And we'll look forward to having some great guests upcoming here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. So as always, thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. And we're also available wherever you get your podcasts. So we are here for you in a tough, earlier than expected offseason. But we got you covered here on Believe in Clippers, right here in the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place to show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.